Welcome to the Mass Bar B Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. This is Jordan Rich. Today, a discussion all about conflict resolution. In honor of the Mass Bar Association's Conflict Resolution Week and a special free webinar, Thursday, October 21st, 2021, Reimagining the Dispute Resolution Frontier. How technology and the pandemic have triggered a DR evolution. And if you miss it live on the 21st, it will be recorded and available thereafter. Details at massbar.org forward slash CRweek. Joining us today to talk about the issues are two Massachusetts Bar members, Julie Bryan, who currently works as a CR administrator with Amazon.com, and Michael Zaytunian, Director of Alternative Dispute Resolution for the Mass Commission Against Discrimination. Julie, I'll start with you. The idea of recognizing conflict resolution as now an integral problem solver is definitely here to stay. The American Bar Association and the Massachusetts Bar Association, and I think most bar associations across the country, recognize Conflict Resolution Week and specifically Conflict Resolution Day, which is what the proclamation is directed toward, in order to really highlight alternative dispute resolution methods and conflict resolution methods. It's an important piece of what we do as attorneys and non-attorney practitioners because it gives people who are in maybe a legal entanglement a way of navigating through that legal entanglement without having to get caught up in the court system. It offers more options for people than hiring a lawyer and going to a trial, for example. In a lot of cases, it's an expedited way of resolving an issue, and it also can be a very cost-effective way of doing that. And we use Conflict Resolution Week to really celebrate the people that do this work at a very high level, and we recognize the people who are innovating and pushing these types of alternative dispute resolutions forward in the community. We live in an era of innovation and uh, certainly applies to the law. So, Michael, during the pandemic, which has changed everything for everybody, what role has, uh, has DR and conflict resolution had? Yeah, I think it's had an increased role, and I think you'll, you'll continue to see it. One of the things that the pandemic and the technology a shift that comes with it has allowed us to do things that we couldn't do or didn't do before, and just doing that has opened up new possibilities, not only from a practical or pragmatic point of view of what are some advantages that online mediation now brings to the table, but I think also the pandemic has caused us in the DR world, as it has in the outside world, to really take the time and think about how are we doing things and how can we change things and how can we make things better than they've been before. So there's a lot that this pandemic and the technological shift that's gone with it Uh, has done to contribute to the use of alternative dispute resolution. Let's talk about a few of the things that have happened, uh, and they're happening so quickly. Virtual technology, you know, the expansion of the quote-unquote toolbox. I'll start with you, Michael. What do you see, and maybe in your own practice, what's working for you? Yeah, so right now I'm, uh, you know, I direct the ADR program at the Mass Commission Against Discrimination, and we had to make the shift from all mediations and conciliations being done in person to online, uh, a lot of the feedback we've got from lawyers and parties has been very positive. Uh, you know, obviously the pragmatic things are 
saving the parties from travel time, travel cost, housing cost if they're coming from out of state, uh, the inconvenience for many of coming into Boston and parking. Uh, so some of those have just been great pragmatic advantages. But we're also beginning to see how this has helped us in the way we do the mediation. I'll give you a quick example. In sexual harassment cases that we mediate, there was always the hesitancy of the victim to come into the same room as the perpetrator, uh, alleged perpetrator. And now that victim has the security of being able to be in her or his own home. They feel a lot more comfortable with that, uh, a lot more willing to participate in a mediation. So that's just one example. There are many that we've seen. Just the accelerated learning curve that we have all had to in, to try to understand the methods of using technology for dispute resolution. I think it's really pushed it to the forefront. A lot of people were using it to great effect prior to the pandemic, but the necessity of using it has really allowed people to share their expertise with other practitioners in the, the ways that it really can be effective. And I, you know, Michael made a lot of great points about why it's really taken off. And I think it's going to take hold and keep going forward, even once people are comfortable sitting in the same room or going to Boston, people are going to continue to use the remote remote methods of mediation and dispute resolution because of the convenience, the ease, the lower cost. You don't have to pay for travel and it just makes a lot of sense. So I think it's really benefited the practice for mediators especially, but for all different types of conflict resolution because it allows people to have better access to it, more convenient access, and it really has forced people to understand the bounds or the lack of bounds of technology that it can be that we can apply. So, Michael, the genie out of the bottle, it, we're not turning back. I think it's going to continue to be a part of our, you know, our options or toolbox for us. We'll, it'll be able to give us the opportunity to look at every case, every situation and say what works best for this particular situation. There will be some cases that for whatever reason, they're better to do them in person. And there'll be other cases that make sense to do them remotely. And we have the we have the ability to pick and choose and, and, you know, shape the method that we want to use for each individual case. Michael, what has it meant for the court backlog to date and what does it mean for the future in terms of the crowded courtrooms and space and not enough people? You know, when we talk about our panel in a little while, one of our panelists is going to be Judge Mark Mason, who will be able to talk about what it's done in the court. But I think looking at it, uh, the court has a tremendous backlog being able to use technology to speed up some of the things that took much longer when they were done in person. Everything from court conferences to uh, quick mediation that the court had offered, but not to a large degree. I think one of the things the court will be able to do now is incorporate more dispute resolution options into what the court already offers. Julie, we'd love it if you could take a moment and describe the work you do for Amazon.com. It has everything to do with what we're talking about, resolving conflicts and disputes. So we have an internal investigation team, and I am a member of that team. And the the goal is to resolve conflicts in-house prior to them escalating outside or becoming a problem where we would require a more uh, like a mediator or something else. But we also have an internal mediation program. 
my job is to investigate disputes to determine whether or not there's been a violation of Amazon policy and to try to resolve the disputes uh, amongst the employees and management, depending on the different parties involved. And we work very closely with you know, all of the management teams and HR teams to try to resolve conflicts in-house. And we do it all virtually. And I think that it's a very effective method of allowing people to air their grievances and get them resolved in an effective way, hopefully to everyone's satisfaction. This is a growth industry for uh, attorneys then, because there's a lot of need from all various kinds of platforms that are developing all the time, I would take it. I definitely think there are lots of ways that attorneys can add value to different conflict resolution programs that are either internal at corporations like Amazon or external working with, you know, practicing attorneys and litigators, working with judges in the court systems and working with just individual citizens and community organizations that help gather conflict resolution programs and mediators to try to resolve any kind of dispute. Michael, the uh, webinar that we talked about in the introduction uh, will be available to members to check out. Uh, what is your your specific topic going to be? So our, our title is Reimagining the Dispute Resolution Frontier, How Technology and the Pandemic Have Triggered a DR Evolution. And that's our general topic. Part of the program will be a panel discussion that will have some terrific and very diverse background panelists. So what the panelists will be talking about is from their very different perspectives, how has this changed things? In the courts, we have Judge Mason addressing it. Uh, we have uh, Israela Brilkas. Israela has multi-talented background. And one of the things that I hope she'll touch on is the role of ombuds, ombuds people and how that might be served better by the technology that's there. And uh, I hope, you know, listening to Julie and what Amazon does internally, so much of these disputes could be resolved quicker if they got to them earlier. And using ombuds people, using early mediation, all these things I think are going to be served better by technology that's available. Those are just two of the panelists. There's also a discussion of the wellness for the practitioners in this area. And I know attorneys nationwide have been focusing on this in their organizations. There's a lot of burnout in any field, but particularly in the law. So, Michael, let's start with you. What's the intent of the panel and what are we looking at here? Yeah, as we were discussing the panel, we realized that one important piece of dispute resolution work is like the entire legal profession. There is burnout. There are issues about uh, work-life balance. There are issues about, you know, maintaining our well-being. And we thought that we would include in the panel a few people who could address well-being, particularly for a lot of mediators and DR professionals. Unlike lawyers that are in a firm that can often talk to each other and colleague, many of the DR professionals are solo people, and they don't have a lot of people to turn to, you know, for these kinds of things. So, Two of our panelists, uh, Judge Botsford and Sean Healy, will be addressing that issue of wellness, particularly as it 
you know, as it affects lawyers and people in the DR profession. Well, we're all on screens more than ever. But Julie, if you want to just address the issue that Michael was talking about, when you're sitting in a room by yourself and you're connecting with other people electronically, it's a lot different than being amongst other people and socializing. Have you any thoughts on what Michael's talking about and why it's so important? I completely agree. It's a critical aspect of our of taking care of our practice and making sure that we are watching out for each other. I think that one of the things that we do at the Mass Bar Association's Dispute Resolution Council, we try to keep our community talking to each other, to keep connected with each other, whether even though it may be virtual for now, I think keeping connected with your colleagues is a key aspect of trying to remain you know, to take care of yourself and the wellness programs that we've had in the past, and we hope to have at least one a year moving forward to really give people tools for taking care of themselves. Self-care is a the term or phrase lately that people discuss a lot, and that but that's really important. I think when you're sitting in an office by yourself and you're only staring at a screen all day and you're talking mm-hmm. to people through a microphone and a camera on a computer, it's really important to make sure you're taking care of yourself by simple things, stretching or taking a walk, getting some fresh air, hugging your dog, hugging your kids, whomever, you know, just sort of getting some human contact so you don't get so focused in on your virtual world that you forget about the right. world that's right next to you. So I think it's a critical mm. aspect of it- maintaining your mental health and your emotional health. Particularly in in the work that the two of you and many of your colleagues do, because you have to be on top of every issue, on top of every comment. There's a lot of psychology involved as well as diplomacy and tact and legalese. Uh, Michael, there's also something that's happening. It's the honoring the memory and legacy of a Frank Sander, one of the luminaries in the field of conflict resolution. Who was Frank Sander? And tell us about the award that'll be given this particular month. Frank Sander was really a groundbreaking practitioner and then professor at Harvard. Many people who trained in ADR work looked to Frank Sander as being just a mentor. And uh, So what we have done for the last few years now is created an award that the Mass Bar Association gives to someone each year who really has been in just an outstanding practitioner of ADR and contributed not only to the dispute resolution world, but to the practice of law in general and the Commonwealth. And this year, we're honoring Judge John Kratzley. And if you looked at his body of work, it's just so incredibly vast and impressive. Very easy person to to pick for this, this particular award. And we're really appreciating his body of work. Let's talk about the field itself. Julie, uh, you've been at this, as has Michael, and you're seeing enormous need for this kind of thing. What message do we have for young people who are interested in getting into the law or lawyers themselves who might be interested in branching out? What advice would you have for these people? Well, I think the advice that I would have is learn a lot, um, uh, as much as you can, about the various aspects of dispute resolution. You know, when we're in uh, law school, Sometimes some law schools offer a dispute resolution course. I took one. Uh, the author of my textbook was Frank Sander. So side note, but as he's the author of the textbook that everyone gets, I think, for dispute resolution classes. But I think it, people don't understand when they're first starting out that it's more than arbitration and mediation, that, that we go far beyond a law school class. And I think that it's important to really 
reach out to different practitioners, different conflict resolution sources to really understand understand the breadth of what services can be out there and that you might be interested in. I think some people might, you know, be really more interested in arbitrations and that's a, a very uh, specific type of dispute resolution and it ends up being a lot of long-term litigators and judges that end up being arbitrators because of the depth of legal knowledge that's required there. Mediators can be non-practicing lawyers or not lawyers at all. There are a lot of mediators out there that never have gone to law school and they're wonderful practitioners. So for people who are wanting to break into the conflict resolution field, I say learn as much as you can. Look, watch webinars, you know, go to conferences and talk to practitioners then to really get mm. a background on what it would take to break into that field. Yeah, those are great points that Julie made. In addition to that, I think, you know, we are problem solvers when we're in the world of dispute resolution. We're trained as lawyers from law school to be zealous advocates for our client. It's a whole different mental approach and skill set. I have to say when I trained in collaborative law and ombuds work and mediation, I was still representing clients. But it still it gives you such a bigger perspective on all the things that are involved in the work that we do. Jordan, you mentioned before, you know, the, the need to be listening, the need to pay attention to emotions and all those other dynamics that are going on in addition to the law and the facts and the issues. And so I, I think this whole field just so well serves the entire legal community. Anybody that's coming out of law school should get well-versed in it, no matter what they do with their career. Thank you to Michael and Julie. The event we've been referring to is called Reimagining the Dispute Resolution Frontier, How Technology and the Pandemic Have Triggered a DR Evolution. It's happening on Thursday, October 21st from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a free Zoom webinar. It will also be recorded and available after the 21st. For details, please visit massbar.org forward slash crweek. Once again, massbar.org forward slash crweek. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.